The message that I'm going to speak tonight, <laughs> I told Brianna, I said, well, you know, God gave me this message two weeks ago before Pastor Jim spoke, before Patty spoke, and then it's like, uh, you guys are touching on my sermon like it's mine. It's like, Lord, do you still want me to preach this sermon? You know, they might get a little tired of hearing the same thing. He didn't change it, so we're getting the same thing. So for anyone that needs a title, it's called Crossing the Red Sea. <laughs> I know where we're going. <laughs> anyway, life can have many obstacles, which can leave us wondering, What's it all about? Is it worth it? How can I avoid all this trouble? Am I going to make it? Well, a lot of things happened to the children of Israel. Some good, some bad, right? It's recorded in the Old Testament there. And I like to call it the Old Covenant. But we're going to read uh, 1 Corinthians 10, uh, verses 11 through 13. It tells us the reason. All these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. In other words, we can fall. We can get up on that ladder and come down falling. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So what the children of Israel went through was recorded for our benefit. It's so that we don't have to make the same mistakes, right? And uh, sad to say, a lot of times, even though we've heard of other people's mistakes, we still make the same mistakes. It's like we got to learn for ourselves. But anyway, God put it there so that we could learn and not go through that. Now, do we want to read James 1.13? Let no one say when he is tempted... I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. So it's like, okay. Well, we know Satan is the tempter, not God. But you know, a lot of people put the blame on God. So let's read verses 14 and 15. 
But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So our human flesh has desires, right? But the enticement behind that is Satan, isn't it? He's going to entice you, just like he did Eve. He wants to make it look good. Oh, go out with your friends, your party, you know, have a good time. Mm-hmm. Well, it can uh, give birth to sin. And when it is full grown, brings forth death. Well, who, who's the author of death? Satan. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy, doesn't he? Okay, let's read verses 16 and 17. Do not be deceived, my brethren, beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. So where does every good gift come from? God. Oh, good. You get an A. Um, and he's the Father of lights. He's going to enlighten us. He's going to show us. And there's no shadow. There's no darkness. There's no depression. There's nothing like that in what he gives us, right? So everything good comes from above. So everything bad must come from below, right? Okay. All right. So God is so faithful to give us scriptures like this to help clear up some things, right? Well, now with that foundation, we're going to cross the Red Sea. <laughs> so we're going to go to Exodus 14, and we're going to read the whole chapter, this story, and we're going to uh, comment as we go along. Um, it's a little bit lengthy, 31 verses, but... There's so much in this story, and you can read it over and over and get something else that God wants you to know. Okay, now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they turn and camp before Pi, I'm going to skip that word, uh, between Migdal and the sea, opposite Baal, Zephron. You shall camp before it by the sea. And I want you to notice here, God was leading them, right? He's talking to the leader, Moses, and he's giving them direction where to go. Okay? Now that's, so we know God is in this. And he's telling them, you go camp out by the sea and you've got this pie on the, you know, oh, you've got Midgal and then you've got Zephron on 
the other side. So the only way out is going back to Egypt, isn't it? Okay, verse 3. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are bewildered by the land. The wilderness has closed them in. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them and I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all of his army that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. So I want to just comment on that a bit. Because this verse really confused me for a long time. I thought, God gives us a choice. He made us to have a choice. But here he says he is going to harden Pharaoh's heart. I said, that doesn't sound right. So for many years, I pondered about this thing, and I said, I just don't know. That just doesn't sound right. And you've got to interpret Scripture by Scripture. That's why I read the other verses that said that God does not tempt with evil. He, he, he's not, he doesn't know evil. He can't give you evil. Uh, so this sounds evil. To me, why would God harden his heart? Then one, one day I heard a minister explaining something. And I heard that and it answered my question. And I've never forgot it. And here, this minister was saying, you take a lump of clay on this side and you take a lump of wax on this side. And then the sun comes out and starts shining. What happens to the clay? It gets hard. What happens to the wax? It, gets, it melts and is pliable. There was no, there's nothing wrong with the sun, is there? He's shining the same on good and evil. But if your heart is evil, is full of clay, it's going to become hardened. And so God knowing Pharaoh, he knows Pharaoh's heart. He knows what he's going to say. And why they worded it this way, I don't know. But that made so much sense to me. Because God is not evil. He's not forcing Pharaoh to be this way. But he's looking at Pharaoh's pattern. They just had ten plagues. And Pharaoh, every time, chose the other way. You know? And here now the children of Israel, they finally, after the, the eldest... Uh, child was killed throughout the land including pharaohs finally they said go get out of here but afterwards let's see what he had to say the next next verse now it was told the king of egypt 
that the people had fled. And the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this? That we should let Israel go from serving us. Here's all their their workforce. They didn't have to pay for it, you know. (laughs) They had free labor. And now they're getting away. Next verse. So he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. Also, he took 600 choice chariots. That's a lot of chariots back then. And all the chariots of Egypt with captains over every one of them. So every chariot had a captain as well, plus all the footmen. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with boldness. So let's just stop here a minute. So when the children of Israel first left, yeah, they're going out with boldness, you know. God had given favor with them, with the people that they were working with. They gave them all their jewels and their, their uh, you know, the precious metals, all that kind of stuff. They gave to them so they could go worship God. And so they had that favor. And so here they are. Wow, you know, we're going out. We'll strip the land, you know. We're going out, praise God, you know. So they're going out with boldness. And that was before they saw Pharaoh and all of them coming after them. So let's continue reading. So the Egyptians pursued them all all the horses and the chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and he overtook them camping by the sea next to Pi and before Baal uh, Zephron. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So what happens? They were very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. Okay, so here they are. They're bold one minute. The next minute, they get their eyes on the circumstances. They got nowhere to go. Their escape route is full of the Egyptians now. Why are they camping by the sea? They don't know. They're just following Moses wherever God tells them to go. So all of a sudden, they're panicking, right? They're looking at this situation, and oh, man, what are we going to do? So let's see what they say next. Then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us? a way to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians 
than that we should die in the wilderness. Well, now, how messed up thinking is that? You would rather be a slave in Egypt where they beat you, where you were at their mercy, you had to do everything they told you to do. At that one point, they were killing all the baby boys and, you know, Moses was just put off, you know, was hidden. That's the only reason he was alive. But they would rather die there than uh, die in the wilderness trying to escape because they put their eyes off of God. Now listen to what Moses has to say. See, he's not putting his eyes on the circumstances. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Did we hear that not long ago? Every time an angel came along or uh, God appeared, immediately he said, don't be afraid. There's no fear in God. Don't be afraid. Stand still. Don't panic. See the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. Today, he's going to accomplish something for you. For the Egyptians, whom you see today, you shall see again no more. Forever. I was so impressed when I was reading that verse that Somebody needs to hear that. That's for somebody here or online when you hear this. That circumstance, that situation that you've been struggling with, you're not going to see it anymore. But it has to be by faith, doesn't it? We have to receive by faith. So he's telling them, Don't be afraid. You're not going to see them anymore. Let's go on. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Well, what does that mean? The Lord's going to do the battle for them. And you're not supposed to say anything. You're supposed to keep your mouth shut. You're not supposed to talk about the circumstance. You're not supposed to talk about what's going on. You're not supposed to say anything negative about anything. You're supposed to just keep quiet and see God fight for you. Now that takes faith, doesn't it? Amen. Okay, next. And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Of course, the leader has to go to God. God, what now? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. He's giving Moses directions. Go forward. Go forward. There's a sea there. There's no bridge. There's no boat. There's no tunnel. There's just a sea. And how do you take several million people across the sea? It would take an awful lot of boats, and there weren't any boats out there. 
but God gives him instructions what to do. He speaks to him and says, but lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. He's telling Moses to divide it. You see, hear that? See that? And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Now that's never been heard of before. Go ahead. And I indeed will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they shall follow them. So I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all of his army, his chariots, and his horsemen. Who's the victor? God is always the victor. Doesn't matter how many of them there are. Then the Egyptians shall know that I'm the Lord. God wanted them to know that he was the Lord. He showed them all those times. But out of the stubbornness and hardness of their heart, they still wouldn't believe. Anyway, he wanted them to know that he was the Lord. When I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. And the angel of God, who went before the camp of Israel, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So all this time, the angel of God was with them. You know, we have the angel of God with us all the time. <laughs> but this angel was in, in the form of this pillar of cloud, and it was also fire. We'll see that in a moment. So went from the front, where it was leading him, to the rear, standing between the Egyptian army and the children of Israel. One angel of God stood between them. Okay, let's go ahead. So it came, it, so it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to the one, which was Egypt, and it gave light by night to the other so that the one did not come near the other all that night. The Egyptians were in so much darkness they couldn't see to go ahead. So they had to just camp out till something happened, till day came. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land and the waters were divided you know it didn't make just one wall here it had two walls so this normally would be running this other way and be divided but no there's walls on either side of them. So let's go to the next verse. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea. All of Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. 
Now tell me, does that make sense? They see a miracle of the sea parting, which has never happened, and the children of Israel are going through, and they have the audacity to follow them? Boy, their heart was hardened, wasn't it? They sure wanted that free labor. But there they went, following after and pursuing them. That's all they could think about was getting them back. Next verse. Now it came to pass in the morning watch that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud. And this, I think, is so funny. And he troubled the army of the Egyptians. I could just see him sending angels down to trouble them. Next verse. And he took off their chariot wheels. Can you see these angels just <laughs> taking these wheels off? I always figured, okay, this ground must have gotten muddy and they got stuck or something. But these wheels were coming right off. So... <laughs> So they drove them with difficulty, and the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Clue. (laughs) Go ahead, next. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians, on their chariots and on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Next verse. Then the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen, and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them, not so much as one of them remained. Now, just think about this. How big is a chariot? And then you've got the horsemen riding the chariot stand up. It says the water covered all of them. All of it. So that's pretty deep water. So much for the theory of two inches or whatever. But that was a big sea. That was a deep sea. There's no way the Israelites could have gone through, you know. And here, the the whole army was destroyed by the sea coming back against itself. Go ahead to the next verse. But the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. 
Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. What a great miracle took place. Amen? So I just have a few words of comment and in, in ending here. The sea, which was the obstacle Israel had to go through to get to safety, became walls of protection and then destroyed their enemies. Just think about that. It was a miracle. The same thing that was the obstacle became their protection and then destroyed the enemy. Isaiah 51, 15. But I am the Lord your God who divided the sea, whose waves roared. The Lord of hosts is his name. Lord wanted you to know the second time that it was him who divided the sea. His name is the Lord of hosts. He is our God. Amen? He is our God. This story was recorded for us as an example of how to trust God, even when it looks like there's no way out. God will always provide a way if we put our trust in him and follow his leading. We don't know how God will make things happen for us. We just need to trust him and do what he commands. He will provide even if it takes a miracle. Amen? Faith in God's word and obedience to his voice is what gets the job done. Amen? <laughs> Can you agree with me? You see why God put these stories in there for us? It's to strengthen us, to encourage us. No matter how bad we think it's getting, surely we don't have an army of Egyptians coming after us to take us back into slavery. Or we don't have a sea in front of us that we could drown if we tried to get into it. And there's no way out. But God made a way. And he'll do that for us, each and every one of us, no matter what our circumstances are. No one has the same circumstance somebody else has. But just remember that Satan can't come up with anything new. Everything that he does is common unto man. It's all happened before. He just repeats it. He's just gotten very good at doing it thousands of years, but he doesn't win. We read the end of the story, don't we? God always wins. And this is just an example, the children of Israel. <laughs>